welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. I'm going to ask it one more time. Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And uh, well, if you have your Bibles, open them to Daniel chapter one. We are in a series called Marked. Everybody say Marked. We saw in Ezekiel chapter 9, what we saw in that particular text right here, he's, he's, Ezekiel is prophesying or he's telling us and writing to us that the Lord told the Holy Spirit, he's saying, I want you to go throughout the city and I want you to put a mark on people who stand for righteousness. And as we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, uh, we saw this, that and when you stand or when you, when you have a mark on your life, you either are wearing the mark of the Spirit or you're wearing the mark of the flesh. You're either wearing the mark of righteousness or of unrighteousness. You're either wearing the mark of love or you're wearing the mark of fear. You're either wearing the mark of victory or you're wearing the mark of defeat. And it's amazing as I begin to study the Word of God, isn't it something that when you read something in the morning, sometimes the Lord will reveal Himself through that Word that you read and show you something through experience? I was down at the barn here shoeing horses on Tuesday, and a sheriff came down, and he showed me a picture of this cow, and he said, does this belong to you? And I said, no, we don't have no cows around here. They hit BMWs. <laughs> Some of y'all know about that story. But uh, anyways, there, uh, I, I, I told the sheriff there, I said, hey, well, wh what is the brand on it? That's bearing a mark, right? I said, well, what is the brand on there? And so we zoomed in and we saw that it, there was a rockin' O. And I said, well, I don't know anybody around here who has a rockin' O. But my whole point is this, that there, uh, when you bear the mark, you know who you belong to. And other people know who you belong to. See, he may have veered off from the path, but aren't you thankful, even in times in your life, when, uh, when you bear the mark of Christ, you have a people of God that are behind you. How many of y'all know you can, you can go off and do your own thing, but you will always un end up in the pig pen? But aren't you thankful that we serve a God that's always on the front porch, that's looking out, and he's seeing the eyes of the Lord go to and fro, looking on the earth for those who bear the name of God? Aren't you thankful that he's always gracious and merciful to bring us in? And so we've been talking about this being marked, and, and, and I talked about, so you know who you belong to. Uh, my my uh, oldest brother, Michael, he has a widow's peak, you know, like an Eddie Munster. Those of you that are old enough to know who Eddie Munster is, he had as a widow's peak, and that's one of the marks that he carries from my dad. My dad has a widow's peak as well. See, there's something on you that you bear that people know of who you belong to. Also talked about, I have marks on my body. You may have some surgeries that you've had. I have three different marks down my belly here where they, they patched me up back in February and had a hernia surgery. But when I look at those marks, I re, I'm reminded of what's happened to me. It's the same way when you bear the mark of Christ, whenever you're going through something, in, in your life that may be bigger than you, just like David. The giant was bigger than him, but he knew this. That giant wasn't bigger than his God. And I want to tell you the same thing this morning. You may be going up against a giant. You may be going up against something that's bigger than you. But I want to remind you that that, that giant is not bigger than your God. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, the author, and the finisher of our faith. And I believe that with all my heart. 
But when we bear these marks, it reminds us of things that we've gone through. And you may be going through something that's big right now, but when you bear the mark, you are reminded that he pulled you out of the miry clay and he set you on a rock to stand. You are reminded that you are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. You are reminded that he'll keep his angels charged round about you and keep you in all your ways that no evil befall you, no weapon born against you shall prosper. Come on, aren't you thankful that you bear the mark of Christ? And if we bear the mark of Christ, in week one, we saw this from Mark chapter 14 of the woman with the alabaster jar, of how she was intentional. When you are bearing the mark, you are intentional to go after the things of God. She had no desire to go to that place of where, where, where she, or, or she did have a desire. She wasn't doing it in that day, but for her to go get her alabaster jar and go to where Jesus was, she was intentional. I'm telling you, when you bear the mark of Christ, you've got to be a person of intentionality. Get up in the morning and be intentional to read the word of God. Be intentional to be in prayer. Be intentional to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. She was also sacrificial. The Bible says that it was more than a year's wages. She was sacrificial. She was extravagant. She poured the whole bottle out. And because of that, she left a legacy to her family. I don't know about you, but I want to bear the mark so much that it's on my kids and my kids' kids. How many of y'all know a good man leaves a good treasure to his inheritance, to his children's children? And I want to bear that mark. And last week we looked and we saw the life of Jesus. In John chapter 1, the Bible says the word became flesh and the flesh dwelt among us. In verse 17, it says he came to fulfill the law of Moses through grace and truth. I didn't want to go any further in this message talking about the marks of the culture that we are in. But you can't bear the mark if you just have truth, truth, truth. You can't bear the mark if you just have grace, grace, grace. You've got to be a person that stands for the grace, God's favor, but all opens the door for the truth to be known. Grace opens the door for truth. So if we bear the mark, we can't be so hard-nosed that we point the finger that we end up giving them the finger and pushing them away. That we, But we can't be so graceful that they stay in sin and they stay going to hell. Come on, we've got to open the door. Grace opens the door for the gospel to be preached. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to go to heaven without knowing that my kids are going with me. I refuse to go to heaven without knowing my family members are not going with me. Come on, I refuse to go to heaven and not know my neighbors are going with me. Are you with me this morning? So we need to be a people that bears the mark. And one of the people that we saw is in Daniel chapter 1, because culture is shifting from, uh, from God at a high level. Would you all agree with that? What I'm trying to do in this particular message, I have so many people come to me and say, Pastor, I just don't know how to navigate through a world when my kid comes home and he's hanging around homosexuals or my kid comes home and he's influenced by uh, what the world is thinking and, and maybe through evolution and trying to push this narrative down their throat. Because how many of y'all know it's out there? And if you don't know, then you need to wake up. So how do we deal with these things? So we look in Daniel chapter 1. If you would go there and you say, Pastor, we looked at this last week. I know we did. But I believe this. It'll get inside of your spirit and you'll have a heart for this. Because there is a shifting culture. And I want to tell you that the enemy has no new tricks in his bag. So it says in Daniel chapter 1, it says in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. This is kind of the last straw. This is at a place in history where... Uh, God has warned the Israelites. He's warned the people of God in Judah. He said, if you don't get your act together and start living by the law again, I'm going to allow people from Babylon to come down and take you captive for 70 years. 
So the Lord prophesies this to him. He tells him, he warns him, and they don't get it right. And so it says, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the house of God. And he brought them into the hand of Shinar to the house of his God and brought the articles into the treasury of his little G-God. So you see how blasphemous this is, that not only does he take people from the land of Judah, but he also takes like the Ark of the Covenant. He takes articles, things, I mean, all, all of these powerful things that, that mean something to you and I. And he's, uh, uh, he's basically spitting in the face of God. And the Bible says that he brought those articles into the treasury of his little G-God. This is blasphemy. Verse 3, and the Babylonian king told Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some from the royal family and from the nobles. So all of them came down, but he said, I want you to pick some out that have a, a, a gifting on them or an anointing on them. How many of y'all know the enemy is after your kids? Verse 4, young men without blemish and handsome in appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with intelligence and discernment and, and quick to understand, competent. He's after them. To stand and able to serve in the king's palace, he also ordered Ashpenaz to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Would you agree that we're living in a Babylonian spirit today where the, where the enemy is trying to confuse the minds of our teenagers, confuse the minds of our kids, that we have taught them on the basis of the word of God, and now we have people coming in trying to manipulate them to think in this particular way. I, I mean, with all the stuff, we got drag queens coming into, in, into school systems and, and reading Bible, or, or not Bible, reading uh, uh, little school books and things like that. How, how many of y'all know that's a Babylonian spirit saying this isn't truth, but this is the truth? So we have, in the, and it goes on in verse 5, it says, The king assigned a daily ration for them from his finest food and from the wine which he drank. They were to be educated and nourished this way for three years so that at the end of that time, they were to enter the king's service. So not only you need to read our stuff, but you need to eat our food. Among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse 7, the commander of the officials gave them names. Daniel, he named Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he named Shadrach. Mishael, he named Meshach. And Azariah, he named Abednego. Now, I want to just go ahead and point this out. When there was a spirit of Babylon in the earth, to, uh, in the earth, which I believe there is today, and I'm going to prove this to you, when there is a shifting culture, what happens is the first thing the enemy tries to do is he tries to confuse your identity. Write this down. Number one, he tries to confuse your identity. How many of y'all know your name represents who you are? And we're going to look at this. How many of y'all, I am a Bennett, and I am proud to be a Bennett, Right? I was born a Bennett, and I'll die a Bennett, and I'm thankful for that. But this is a complete mockery of them changing their names from a Hebrew name to a pagan name. It's a complete mockery of who God had made them. How many of y'all know there's an enemy out there that's trying to obliterate the very nature of God on the inside of people, right? This is happening today. So look at this. I want, you to show, I want to show you this clearly. So the name Daniel in the name of Hebrew, I mentioned it a little bit last week, but I want to get more into detail of it today, of how the enemy's trying to confuse identities today. Daniel means God is my judge. Big G-O-D is my judge. How many of y'all know the Lord is my judge? Come on, lift your hands and you say, you know what? My neighbor ain't my judge, but the Lord is my judge. The Lord and Pastor Brandy, praise the Lord. 
Belteshazzar. So Daniel, he changed his name to Belteshazzar. This is a pagan name. And this means Baal, listen to this, or lady, protect the king. Baal or lady, protect the king. Changed his gender. Now I want to ask this question. If you've watched five minutes of the news, or if you've been anywhere in a university town, we may not see it much in Amarillo, Texas, but it's coming. How many of y'all know there's a spirit of Babylon in the earth when, when genders are trying to change from male to female and female to male? So the first thing, we uh, confuse your identity right here. It's changed. How many of y'all know 2023, it may be a new year, but the devil has no new tricks. He's still doing The Bible says when you live under a cursed mind, you live under a confused mind. So Hananiah, in verse 6, Hananiah, the Hebrew name, means Yahweh has been gracious. Could you lift your hand and say, God's been gracious to you? Amen? He's been gracious to me. So they changed it to his pagan name, Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. Meaning this, I believe there's a, a spirit of Babylon that's in the earth today. He's trying to redefine their spirituality. Try, people trying to say that the Bible is not true. Can I tell you, I am so, I am just sick of some of the stuff that I see across TikTok and Instagram of beliefs that people are thinking today. There, there is in September, I was looking at it last night with Pastor Brandy and watching videos on it, but there is a church in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's Andy Stanley's church. He's having two queer speakers. Two of them. And he was saying in, the te- in, in, in his message that the Old Testament is not relevant anymore. How many of y'all know he has lost his mind? And we're praying for you, Andy, that you would come back to the knowledge of the truth. But there's like 20,000 people that's looking to go to this because they want to feel accepted for the lifestyle that they live. And I'm telling you, it's, people are redefining spirituality. How many of y'all know there's only one standard, and it's the Word of God? Amen. How many of y'all know, aren't you thankful for the Old Testament just as much as you are the New? Amen. People say, well, I don't believe in that Old Testament stuff. Well, try to commit adultery, try to commit murder, and see how it works out for you. That's Old Testament belief. Amen? Here's the next one, Mishael, which means who is what God is. Change it to Meshach, I'm despised and contemptible and humiliated. You know what this tells me here? That he's, he's changing his name to a name of emotions. You know, we have a spirit that's in the world today. Well, this is just how I feel. I'm feeling fearful. I'm feeling intimidated. How many of y'all know people, as people of God, we should not go by how we feel, but we should go by the faith on the inside of us? Right? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I may feel sick, but I know this, Psalm 107, 20. He says, he sent his word and he healed me and delivered me from all destruction. Right? So, the fourth one is Azariah. His Hebrew name was Yahweh has helped. But look at this. His, his, now, his pagan name is servant of Nebo. Now, that may not mean nothing to you, but Nebo means it's one who speaks and prophesies. How many of y'all are thankful for people that have spoken in your life and prophesied in your life? I know I am. And I think that God has spoken in my life and prophesied in my life. But Nebo here, what he's basically saying, 
In other words, God is no longer directing your future, but I want the enemy to direct your future. How many of y'all know the enemy is on the prowl right now trying to change? He is an identity thief. So, Pastor, why are you even sharing this stuff with us? I'm sharing it with you. Write this down. Because when culture shifts, you have got to know who you are. Amen. Amen? Amen. You've got to know who you are. This is happening today. I promise you, God designed me and has a plan for my life. One of the, my favorite scriptures, preaching to youth, but also just in life. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. This is a pillar. This should be you know, a belief system in your life. But it says in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. You believe there's a heartbeat inside of the mother's womb? That's why people of God, you always vote pro-life. If you are a believer, you you vote pro-life. And don't let, just like what's trying to happen uh, in the world, redefining spirituality, let, don't let people try to talk you into from their sob story pro-choice because it is an attack of the enemy. How many of y'all know, how many of y'all thankful that, of the kids that you have and that they weren't aborted? Aren't you, aren't you thankful for them? Amen? This is why we're pro-life. And it says, and before you were born, I consecrated you. See, this, you need to know these things. This is who I am. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You need to know 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. You need to know Psalm 139, 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. You need to know 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the, pre- the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He called you out of darkness. We got one that's happy over here. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? He called you out of darkness. Your grandpappy's pappy's pappy couldn't do that. Only the Lord himself could do that. He humbled himself into a place on the cross. Galatians 2.20 says, this is also who you are. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One more, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. I say this all the time to myself. When God painted me, it was better than the Mona Lisa. Amen? Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You need to know who you are. Because there's a spirit of Babylon that's in the earth today that's trying to steal the identity of who God created you to be. Steal your identity of where you're supposed to go, of what you're supposed to do, of who you're supposed to be. Are you hearing me this morning? The second thing that happens, verse 5, it says, The king assigned a daily ration for them from his finest food and from the wine which he drank. They were to be educated and nourished this way for three years, so that at the end of that time they were to enter the king's service. Look at verse 8. But Daniel, I love that but. It's a big one. And I cannot lie. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's finest food, or with the wine which the king drank, 
So he asked the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. The second thing that the spirit of Babylon does, the second thing that a shifting culture does, number two, it will cause you to compromise your morals and your standards. I'm telling you, this is big in the church today. People don't look more saved than their neighbor that's lost as a ball in high weeds. Just because you're in church doesn't mean you're living a righteous life. God's called us to a higher standard. And if, I'm, if you're going to bear the mark like Daniel did, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not going to eat your food and I'm not going to drink your wine. He said, uh, he said, but Daniel made up his mind. And see, that's the deal. You're going to have to make up your mind. See, if you don't think like people think and want you to think today, what do they do? They cancel you. Right? But you've got to make up your right mind right now. Because if you don't make up your mind right now, ahead of time, and not at that time, you've got to make it up right now. See, during COVID, people didn't have their, their mind made up. They're like, well, I'm going to do whatever everybody else has asked me to do. No, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God on the inside of me. How many of y'all know we've got to make up our mind ahead of time? And not in the moment. How many of y'all know this? The devil is still appealing to people's flesh. The, the, the enemy is still appealing to flesh. He is. Just watch one commercial on TV today. They got people with hoses and there's more cotton in an aspirin bottle than on their whole body. Trying to make that look appeasing. You don't think that that is a narrative that's pinpointing our little boys and our little girls? You don't think that that's happening? I'm telling you, there's a reason that they're doing it. Because they're making sin make it look like it feels good. Because it makes me happy. Can I tell you, God's not called you to be happy. God's called you to be holy. And I'm telling you, I can speak from experience. When you live a holy life, you live a happy life. You can't change the Bible to fit your lifestyle. You change your lifestyle to fit the Bible. And the reason I'm telling you this, because when the culture shifts, we must know what we believe. That's why it's so important that, that when the doors are open, that you're in the house of God. That's why it's so important on Wednesday nights when we're talking about things like, uh, uh, what was the last, defending your faith. You defend your faith. That's why it's important on Sunday morning that you're here, that you're engaged, you're in the Word of God, Monday through Friday. Because there was a time in my life that I may not understand the Word of God, may not know how to, to defend myself through that, but I'm telling you, come on, bring it. I'm ready now. But I didn't get that from sitting in the house on my thumbs. I got that by engaging and getting in the Word of God because He's changed my life. Are you hearing me this morning? And so the, the text that came to my mind, I'm not going to compromise my morals and standards. Joshua 24, 14, it says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which our fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods on the, of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, we've got to make up a decision right now that in my house, we are going to serve the Lord. In the Campbell home, we're going to serve the Lord. 
Amen. In the Busby home, we're going to serve the Lord. In the Sutton home, we are going to serve the Lord. In the Giles home, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to be led by what other people are doing or what society says or the government says. Come on. I'm going to be led by what the Word of God says, and I'm going to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Pastor, why are you mad? I'm not mad. I'm happy. Amen? Now look at Daniel 1, 9 through 14. So number one, we see when a culture shifts, it confuses your identity. Number two, it tries to make you compromise your morals and standards. The third one is this, verse 9. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion on the side of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has prearranged your food and your drink. Look at that, prearranged. Prearranged. Can I tell you what's going on in the earth today? This is all prearranged stuff. They planned it out. For why should... He see your faces looking more haggard than the young men who are your own age. Then you will make me forfeit my, my head to the king. Verse 11. But Daniel said, but Daniel said to the overseers whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Isn't it something? They said, we want your names to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But when he stood up against them and didn't compromise his faith, they couldn't help but still see him as the Hebrew name that was on the inside of them. That's a marked man. He says, please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance... And the appearance of the young men who eat the king's finest food be observed and compared by you and deal with your servants in accordance with what you see. So the man listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. The third thing that will happen when there's a spirit of Babylon, the third thing that will happen when a shifting culture is this. Number three, you better be ready. Your faith will be tested. Your faith will be tested. I'm not saying that if. I'm saying it when it'll be tested. And can I tell you with all confidence, we have an election year coming up. We have a test coming. God's, God is, as your pastor, God has called me to prepare your heart that you need to have some things set in stone that this is how it's for me and my house. We serve the Lord. You need to have it right now. Because you have a test coming. How many of y'all have ever been tested before? Let me see, show of hands. Like I'm talking about like people has truly came against you. I, we had somebody in our life at one particular time and she was smart. It was shocking to me because she graduated from Texas A&M. But <laughs> sorry if you're an Aggie out there, forgive me. But uh, man, she was super smart and she knew the word of God had just flowed out of her. You could tell she was raised in a good home, but college got to her. And she was not only that, but she was a liberal as well. She was crazy. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, I'm not kidding. She was a little us. But, but she would ask me these questions, and I do feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable on the word. Like I feel like I get better all the time. And I could hold my ground. There would be times, though, I would be in the corner, like, sweating. Like, you couldn't get a needle in my butt with a sledgehammer, for sure. Like... 
oh man, how do I answer this? And the Spirit of God would quicken something on the inside of me. But one day I finally, it just came out like this. And can I tell you, her life sucked. Like I wouldn't trade her life for no amount of money. I mean, terrible. The stuff she was going through. Finally, one day I said, the proof is in the pudding. My life is great. Yours is not. She just began to cry. I said, it it doesn't matter what you say. It's what you do. But I remember her, her just test after test after test after test after test. And I'm, I'm telling you, I remember, I remember thinking, Lord, have mercy. Is she coming over again? But sometimes when I feel tested like that, I think of people of old. I think of the apostles. People think, well, we were under heavy testing in 2020. Can you imagine uh, having to drink poison and being dipped in oil? That's a test. You know, there is people out there in the world today that are meeting in basements. Because if they come up out of the basement, they'll be killed. How many of y'all know that's a test? How many of y'all need to, we need to be thankful for where we are and how we live? But my, my point is this. When culture shifts, you've got to learn how to stand and stand firm. Even that girl, she made some valid points that I was really thinking, oh my gosh, she may be right. No, she's not right. I'm going to stand my ground. Because I'm not, I'm not standing for me. I'm standing for the word. It's what I'm doing. So I wrote some things down, how we can stand in a shifting culture. But I want to, I want to share the scripture with you. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says this. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Verse 14, let all that you do be done with love. And I just want to remind you of that one more time. We as a body of Christ and we as believers live in a marked life. We have got to stand But if we stop doing it in love, we'll be going backwards. Right? I want to do what's right, and I'm going to do it in love. So number one, this is how we're going to do it. Number one, we're going to stand in prayer. We're going to stand in prayer. How many of y'all know the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much? In Ephesians chapter 6, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that this is where we get the armor of God. But in Ephesians chapter 6, he, sa- he tells us, he said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers over darkness, wickedness in high places. He says, um, Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you'll be able to resist and stand your ground. And having done everything to stand firm, uh, so stand firm and hold your ground. The reason I'm telling you this and sharing this with you Our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers over darkness. Before you go down there and give them a piece of your mind at that school, why don't you pray about it first? Because you are not fighting a flesh battle. You are fighting a spiritual battle. And if you're going to stand, you're going to have to learn how to stand in prayer. And, And before you go to typing and being a keyboard warrior on Facebook or Instagram... And making people hate you. Rather than doing that. Why don't you get on your knees and begin to pray. Because when you stand in prayer. A courage for culture. Comes in prayer. Aren't you thankful for prayer. And I tell you what. I want to be a part of the solution. Not a part of the problem. And I I told the staff. This September. 
Coming up the first week there, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we're going to fast and we're going to pray. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to have the church open from 7 to 8 a.m. We're going to come in here and we're going to pray. And we're not going to be... This is how we're going to stand as the body of Christ. We're going to stand in prayer. How many of y'all know we can do only so much? And you know, I don't want to be a person that just prays and doesn't do anything. But I want to move the heart of God. Because how many of y'all know prayer opens up the windows of heaven. And he can pour out a blessing on us. We need to be a people that stands and prays. We need to be a people that stands and prays. So number two, write this down. You need to stand in your purpose. God's assignment to you is go into all the world and preach the gospel. You want to be a marked person? You stand in prayer and you stand in your purpose. You stand in your assignment. God has called you. So quit whining about it and do it. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know what I'm going to do on Sunday or on Monday? I'm going to abound in the work of the Lord. When I go to work, I'm going to abound in the work of the Lord. Around my neighbors, I'm going to abound in the work of the Lord. At the soccer game, I'm going to abound in the work of the Lord. At the sod poodles game, I'm going to abound in the work of the Lord. I'm going to stand for my assignment of what God's called me and created me to be and do. Amen? Here's the third one. I'm coming to a close. Number three, I'm going to stand for the Lord. Number three... I'm going to stand for the Lord. You know why I'm going to stand for the Lord? Because the Lord stood for me. You know why? Because he stands for us. Let's defend him. You know what I like to do when I play golf with people? There, uh, a couple weeks ago, I played with some guys. One guy I knew real well. But there was an, uh, a couple of other guys that I didn't know. And I don't like to tell them that I'm a preacher. You know, because they act weird. Like they can't be free. I want to see the true you, big boy. Because when you tell them, and then, then they're like, I can't say nothing. Or they go behind the tree and you say, So I didn't tell them until about hole six. And the whole time he said GD. I mean GD everything. And the other guy that knew I was a preacher, he's like, I said, it's okay, I'll get him. <laughs> Believe you me, I'll get him. About hole number six, he said it one more time. I said, you know what? I don't know if you've ever read the Bible, but the only one who's ever damned you is the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There's an enemy, an adversary out there. I said, do you believe the Bible? He goes, of course I do. He goes, what are you, some kind of preacher? And I said, I actually am. He goes, Brad, why did you tell me that? So then the rest of the day, he's like, mother... Of God, yeah. <laughs> uh, loved it. You know why I even said something? I said something because God's defended me, and I was ready to defend Him. How many of y'all could proudly stand for the Lord and say, "He's defended me, so now I'm going to defend Him." Matthew ten thirty two says this: Therefore, whoever confesses me before men. Him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to defend the Lord. There's a story that Billy Graham told at many of his crusades. If you ever watched any of his crusades, or maybe there's people in the room that went to some. 
But he would always, at the altar call, he would sing this song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. You get the gist of the song, right? How many of y'all have ever heard it before? Where the lyrics come from was a man. I don't remember all the parts of that song or, or, or all the parts of the story for, for this. But it was a man that was in a village that him and his wife were missionaries there. And one of the, the leading officials came to him and said this. He said, if you continue to share this Jesus, he said, I'll kill you and your family. So one day he, he finally had had enough and he lines his family up in front of him. And he t- looks him in the eyes and he says, because of your actions, I'm going to kill you and your family. Now renounce what you're going to do and I'll let you go. And he told him, he said, I have decided to follow Jesus. So he said, one more time, I'm going to give you one more chance. He said, though none go with me, still I will follow. And they killed all his, he killed his wife and kids right in front of him. He said, I'm going to ask you one more time, renounce it. He said this, the world before me, the cross before, behind me. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And they killed him. You know what's really amazing about this story? It was the king. I didn't share this in the second service. The king was so gripped by emotion and compassion that he gave his heart to Christ because of the stand that he made for Jesus. The whole village was changed because of what he did. And I want to ask you the same question. Do you really mean that? I have decided. To follow Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So one last thing I want to share with you in the book of Colossians, it tells us this, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us this, that he makes intercession to God for us. So as he is sitting there when Pastor Shannon prays, he is making intercession, telling the Father what's going on in his life. There's only one time in Scripture that we see that Jesus ever stood. There's only one time, and it's found in the book of Acts. It's found in Acts chapter 7. The first Christian martyr, this is when Saul comes on the scene. Later on, he would get his name changed to Paul. But Saul was after Stephen because he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that they stoned him. And at that particular time that he was stoned, Acts chapter 7, 55, as he stood up for the words, he stood up and stood for the Lord. The Bible says... But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's the only place in Scripture that you see Jesus stand. Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. When I stand for the Lord, he stands for me. I I, I want to encourage somebody today. A mom that may be battling something inside of their schools for their little kid. I'm going to tell you, when you stand for righteousness, God stands for you. When you you stand for love, God stands with you. When you stand for the Lord, God stands with you. 
Come on, let's be a people of God that does that. Let's stand in prayer. Let's stand in our purpose. And let's make a decision today that I'm going to stand for the Lord. I'm going to live a marked life. I'm going to live a marked life. Come on, I'm going to live a marked life. I'm going to bear the mark of Christ. I'm going to bear the mark of Christ. I'm not going to have the spirit of Babylon try to steal my identity. I'm not going to have the spirit of Babylon try to compromise my morals and standards. Come on, I'm not. Not in my house. He may test my faith, but this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. I'm going to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? Come on, are you out there this morning? I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. I want to invite you to stand with me because I'm telling you, God's given this message to me right now to be a marked life because I know a testing is coming. You've got to be ready. Make the decision today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God looks down. He sees that brand on you. Knows who you belong to. You won't get sold to the, you, you won't get sold to the one who's buying. There's an enemy that's buying up people out there right now. But he can't have me and he can't have my kids. He can't have me and he can't have my marriage. He can't have me. Let's be a marked people with every head bowed, with every eye closed. There's four different people in this room today. Number one, you're saved. As I talked about somebody who is marked, you're that person. You're that person. Your identity hasn't been stolen from you. When I think about uh, if you're that, that one person, you're, you're, you're not redefining spirituality. You know who you are in Christ. When I think about that number one person, I think of somebody who's not led by their emotions. That number one person, there hadn't been a world or, 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 or a little G God that's tried to prophesy your future. You know Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have, says the Lord. That's the first person. The second person in here that you think you're saved. And you think you're saved because your parents were saved. And you think you're saved because maybe your wife was saved. And you think you're saved because your parents were saved. But that's not what makes you saved. It's a decision that you make in your heart. The third person in the room is you used to be saved. You used to live for the Lord. You used to be excited about the things of God. But compromise and culture has pulled you away from living a life of victory. And then number four, there's a person in here, you used to be saved. Or, or sorry, you've never been saved at all. And I want to talk to twos and threes. Number four will never come one because all they see is twos and threes. They see somebody who is a hypocrite. Not to say that number one can't be and mess up. But you've messed it up for the people around you. I'm talking to the twos, the threes, and the fours. If your heart's not right with Christ, I'm going to ask you the question. If you was to die today, would heaven be your home or hell would be your home? If you can't answer that, then you probably think you're saved. Or you used to be. 
I'm not asking you to join this church. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking for tithes and offerings. You can keep your money. But God does want your heart. He wants your heart today. The only way you can live a marked life is living a saved life. So if you're everything but a one, I'm talking to you. The problem is sin. The solution is Jesus. The response is what you make. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that he died on the cross and on the third day he rose again, he'd come live on the inside of you. So if you're out there and there's sin in your life, you're a two, a three, or a four. Let's get it right today. If that's you, just lift your hand and say, you know what, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, praise God, I see those two hands. There was five people in the first service. Amen, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor, that's me. Praise God. See many hands in this room. People of God, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord, I admit. I'm a sinner. I've turned my back on you. But today, I believe that you died. You were buried. And on the third day, you rose again. Come live in my heart, Jesus. I confess you as my Lord. From this day forward, I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is old school. A lot of people don't do this, but I'm telling you, if your life was changed today, I want to ask something of you. The Bible says, you confess me before men, and I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. So when you stand for him, he will stand for you. So one more thing. If you lifted your hand and said, you know what? I made my heart right with God. The Bible says this. When one sheep comes back to the fold, all of heaven rejoices. And we as a body of Christ, this is what we, this is what we do. We go into all the world and preach the gospel. So if you're out there, you lifted your hand and said, you know what, Pastor? That's me. I've been touched by God today. I want you to come down here because we want to pray with you. We want to rejoice with you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. So if you lift your hand, I'm going to ask you to come down right now. Come on. Who is that? I know there's people in the room. I know there's people. I'm not putting any shame or pushing you. Come on, give these a hand as they come down. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Come on, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Who's your name? Lauren. Sharice. All right, good to have y'all. Y'all related? Okay, well, y'all just look at me. Y'all look this way. Come on over here. What is your name again? Jerry Ann. Amen. Do you feel the Lord? Okay, stretch your hands out towards these. Lord, I just pray for these right now. I pray, Lord, for this decision that they made to serve you. Lord, I know that the enemy will do everything that they can to take them from the victory that they've had today. But, Lord, I just pray for this decision that was made and the five or the six that was made in the first service. Lord, I pray that people's lie, that they're, that they'll never be the same again. I pray that they will never go back to the wolf camp, but they would stay in the fold of the sheep. And Lord, use us at your discretion, Lord, to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that they would not stay where they are, but they would live a life of victory. I pray your angels charge round about them, keep them in all their ways, that no evil befall them, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. In Jesus' name, welcome to the family. Come on, people of God. Welcome to the family. Yes, if you go with Pastor Michelle here. Hey, 
Let's be a people that's marked. Amen? I'm going to say it one more time. Jerry, let's be a people that's marked. Amen? Let's be all, from the back row all the way up. Let's be a people that's marked. Amen? That we bear the mark. They say you're a man of God. I love it. We're at a snow cone stand or the summer. I'm just eating a snow cone in shorts and flip-flops. This lady come up to me, and she goes, you are a man of God, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. I bear the mark of cherry syrup down my shirt, but also I bear the mark of God. I'm telling you, let's act like we're people that's marked. Amen? Go and be a world changer. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.